Welcome back to Coffee with a Calvinist. This program is dedicated to helping you better understand the Word of God and the doctrines of grace. The Bible tells us, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of Truth. Get your Bible and coffee ready and prepare to study along. Here's your host with today's lesson, Pastor Keith Foskey. Welcome back to Coffee with a Calvinist. My name is Keith Foskey and I am a Calvinist. Today is August the 18th, 2020. And if you're following along in our daily Bible reading, you can go to Acts chapter 19 and read along today. Uh, and if you're interested in reading along with us daily, you can go to sgfcjacks.org. That's our website for Sovereign Grace Family Church, and you can download a copy of our daily Bible reading list and read along with us. Now today is part two of our common objections to Calvinism. Yesterday we looked at the objection of evangelism. Uh, some people say that Calvinism kills evangelism, and that was the subject of yesterday's show. But today we're going to be looking at another objection, very common objection to Calvinism, and that is the objection of free will. Um, some people believe that if you believe in Calvinism, then you believe that all men are robots. And I'm going to do something today that I have not ever done before. I'm actually going to let you listen to another person make this argument and I want to introduce to you Dr. J. Vernon McGee. If you've never heard of Dr. J. Vernon McGee, he's been on the radio forever. He's he's gone on to be with the Lord now. But he was he has through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee, very famous, very long standing ministry. And I'm going to disagree with something that Dr. McGee says today. But I want to preface this by saying I appreciate the ministry of J. Vernon McGee. This is not in any way an attempt to besmirch him or his ministry. This is one of those times when a brother in Christ, uh, I disagree with him, and I want you to hear what he has to say because I want to be able to interact with it. And rather than me simply saying this is what he said, I want you to hear it from his mouth. This is a, a recording from his radio program. I'm going to play a portion. I'm going to interact with it. And uh, the, it's longer than I could let, I can't let you listen to the whole thing simply for the sake of time. But uh, I'm going to let you listen to as much as I can. And I'm going to interact with as much as I can. And, and, and when I get to the point where I feel like I've said enough, I will close the show out. Here's the thing I need from you today as a listener is I need your patience because this is the first time I've ever done anything like this on the program. I'm, I'm, I'm working with a little bit of a new technology here, so I'm going to need a little bit of grace as I go through this, and I hope that you will give me that grace as I, uh, as I work with this. So I'm going to start by letting Dr. McGee's announcer introduce him and... <clears throat> He's going to read the question from a listener, and we're going to listen to Dr. McGee's response. And as I said, 
I am going to pause at times and give you my thoughts on what he's saying and, and provide you the Calvinistic response. Again, I'm a Calvinist. Dr. McGee was not a Calvinist. I believe we're both Christians, and this is my opportunity to respond to him. And this, and I don't know how long, how old this particular radio program is. This could be several decades old, but um, but I want you to listen to it, and uh, and you'll get what I'm talking about. The scriptural view of the doctrine of election and free will has been debated since the Reformation. Many of these questions and thoughts have been considered by this young lady in Glen Birney, Maryland. She says that she has come to the conclusion that some are elected to heaven and some to hell. She believes that God knows all things from the beginning to the end, so he would know who would be saved and who would not. She continues by saying that God allows the multitudes to continue on blindly through life because they won't accept God unless he opens their eyes. She asks, would you please tell me if I'm right or wrong? If I'm wrong, can you please correct my thinking? All right, before we even listen to Dr. McGee, I want to make a point. Um, whoever this lady is, uh, she's obviously trying to articulate the reform position. One of the things that I would probably disagree with on her articulation is that God elects some for heaven and some for hell. Uh, that's often de described as double predestination and sometimes even more uh, the, the, the technical term is equal ultimacy that God does the same work in predestining someone to heaven as he does in uh, the act of reprobation or passing over someone who is going to hell and uh, I do not believe both of those are the same thing uh, I do believe that um, that God puts out a particular effort and grace in saving a soul, and it's not the same as as, as allowing someone to continue in the sin that they desire and want to be in. Um, and so even her question, there's a little bit of issue with it. Um, but for the sake of uh, this, I'm going to let Dr. McGee answer, but I just wanted to point out that it's obvious that she has had some kind of a Reformed or Calvinistic uh, influence, and that's what's influencing her question. So here's Dr. McGee. Well, may I say to you, I not only think you're wrong, but I think that type of thinking is very dangerous. If I believed what you believe, I would never attempt to teach the Word of God again. I would never try to win anybody to Christ because there'd be no need of it. Now, if you feel that God, all he's done has created a bunch of zombies and that they're going to move at his command, and at his command he's going to send most of them to hell, then may I say you have a frightful, terrible view of God. Fact well, right now, before I even let him go further, it's obvious, uh, and this is part of the reason why I wanted you to hear this today, it's obvious that Dr. McGee is... Um, is coming at this from uh, the position that Calvinism, this view of predestination, is not only wrong, but is to him repugnant. And uh, it's interesting because um, there's not a lot of grace coming from him as far as understanding that in the history of the Protestant church, uh, many, many, many godly men have held to this position. Um, George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, and during his time, during J. Vernon McGee's time, there would have been men like R.C. Sproul and John MacArthur, um, and so uh, and many, many others, J James Montgomery Boyce. Um, so, to first of all, I just want to say I think I think that his uh, his immediate response saying this is this makes God evil, and I, I think that's a little heavy-handed on his part. Again, I love the man. I'm not 
trying to besmirch him. I just think that's one thing to consider is he obviously thinks that this position is very repugnant. But I'm going to let him continue. The the matter is the heathen that think of him in such horrible terms as you see in some of the images that they make. The god of war, for instance, out in the Hawaiian Island, that's as frightful looking a face that I've ever seen. That's their god. Well, I would say that your god isn't any better looking than that one. Now, let me approach this from an altogether different viewpoint than you have. Let's move back and think of an infinite God for just a moment. This infinite God can do anything in the world that he wants to do. He is free to act. But Okay, real quick. Dr. McGee is about to explain essentially that because God is infinite, he has the power to allow men to have an absolute free will. But in the midst of explaining this, I want you to listen closely because he's actually going to somewhat repudiate his own argument here in just a moment. This takes a minute, so I encourage you to keep listening and uh, pay attention to what he's saying and, and listen for the inconsistencies because often this is the case that we'll hear with our, from our Armenian brothers and sisters is we'll hear inconsistency, and that's what you're about to hear. He is actually free to act only in that area in which he absolutely believes. Now, we know something about him. He's a holy God. I'm not quite sure I understood what he meant when he says God is only free to act in the area that he believes. I'm not sure he used the right word there, um, but basically what he, I think that he's trying to say is God, God is free to act where he wants to act, but that he lets men act on their own behalf and he doesn't influence them. Um, but just in case that was confusing. He's a just God. He's a righteous God. He's a God of love. Now, if you feel like that God is doing the thing that you're doing, then God is not just at all. He's not righteous. fact of the matter is, I have my doubts whether he's infinite or not. May I say to you, we have a God that is so great, so wonderful, so far above our thinking that our thought patterns don't even enter into his thinking. He told, it says in Isaiah, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your way. God's thoughts and ways are different than yours. Now let me give you what... Now he says that I want to. I hate to keep interrupting, but he says that you know God's thoughts are are, are higher than ours. God's ways are, are higher than our ways. But what he's trying to do is trying to bring God down to a level that we that 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 he would allow for free will. And ultimately, what he's saying is that yes, God's thoughts are better, higher than ours, and there and he's greater than we are. But ultimately, he's still got to behave in a way that that seems right to us. And I think, again, that's a contradiction, but we'll continue. Maybe a new thought to you, I don't know. Our God is so <clears throat> infinite that he can create creatures and give them a free will. And in the area of their free will, why he can accomplish his purpose. And in that area of their free will, it is free will. They're not zombies. When he created Adam and Eve, they were given absolute freedom in the Garden of Eden. They could do what they wanted to do, and they did it, by the way. May I say to you that today the same thing is true 
of mankind that he's able to make a decision and still, if that decision is contrary to the will of God and many men are making the decision, as you say, against God, they do not disturb his plan or purpose because in that area, an infinite God is able to make creatures with a free will and they can do what they want to do and it won't interfere with his purpose. For instance, do you think... I have to stop right there and just and, and jump in. He made a few points. He talked about Adam and Eve and, and the fact that they had a, a free will and he's equating the will that Adam and Eve expressed with the will of their posterity. And the problem with that is what we see is while Adam and Eve did have um, a certain freedom in the garden because they were not bound by sin, they did not have a sin nature until, of course, after they sinned. But the Bible says that we, being sons and daughters of Adam, are not born free like Adam and Eve, but we are born with a sin nature. This is why the Bible says that... um, when Jesus was talking about people that could come to him, he said, no one can come to me unless he's drawn by the Father. He says, no one can come to me unless it's granted to him by the Father. Um, Paul says in Romans chapter 8 that, um, that, no one can, uh, that no one can do the law of God no one, because, of, because they are bound in sin. Um, it, it's... It, this is an important concept for us to, to remember that we are sinners by nature. Um, in that passage in Romans 8, is Romans 8, 7, it says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And what does it mean to be in the flesh? It means to be a person who is born a son or daughter of God. A son and daughter of Adam. We are, um, we are born with a sin nature. We are born with an Adamic nature. We we call it. And so when we, when, when Doctor McGee equates Adam and Eve with the rest of their posterity, he's making a fundamental error there regarding the nature of the will. But also he's making a fundamental error in regard to the nature of God's knowledge. He seems to be indicating that in some way um, it was it was it was up for grabs whether or not sin was going to come into the world, whether you know and that's something we have to consider. Did God not know from all eternity that Adam and Eve would sin? And uh, I believe we have to say that he did because the Bible says Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God had planned redemption. Um, and so when we look at the, the, the concept of the fall, while we do not believe that God forced Adam and Eve to sin, we do believe that this is part of the divine decree that this would happen this way because God had determined that it would be so. And so when we consider that all things happen by the divine decree uh, because God is working out all things according to his purpose and therefore this doesn't mean that men are robots but what it does mean is that, that while we have a certain freedom 
our freedom is always limited by God's freedom. And that's what Dr. McGee seems to be um, disagreeing with her. He's basically saying God's freedom is limited by our freedom. And, the, and, the, the, and it's the opposite is true. Like Dr. R.C. Sproul said, Dr. R.C. Sproul made this point. He said, I am free, but God is more free. And when my freedom runs into God's freedom, I lose. That is absolutely has to be understood. So, um, and Dr. McGee uses the phrase zombies. We're just zombies. That's not the case. We are dead in trespasses and sins, but we are active agents working out our own desires. The problem is our desires are sinful because we are born in sin. Uh, David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. I am born in sin, I grow in sin, the Bible says I'm dead in my trespasses and sins, and that I am by nature a child of wrath until such time as God chooses to grant me the gift of regeneration. And um, we're, we're really running low on time here. I'm going to let Dr. McGee speak for a few more minutes. I'm going to interact with a little bit more. I'm going to try to close up about 20 minutes in. Um, but if you're interested in going and listening to the rest of what he has to say, you can look this up. This is uh, available online. This is Dr. J. Vernon McGee through the Bible. And uh, I'll see if I can't post a link below uh, if you want to hear what he has to say. But I'm going to play a little bit more so I can interact with it just so you can hear more of what he's trying to say. Little man on this planet today, even with his free will, do you think that he can upset Almighty God? Of course not. Do you think that man has a free will? He certainly does. See, even right there, he's saying he's saying we can't upset the will of God, but we have a free will. And so the question that I would ask if I were sitting across from Dr. McGee, I would say, so so what you're saying is I can do anything that I want to do and because I have a free will. And and yet I cannot thwart the will of God. How do those two things line up? And um as I said, I would say the answer to that question would be because God's will is is ultimate and my will is not ultimate, and my choices are not ultimate. Um, and so I have to understand that God's will is actually what's working out everything. This is why he can say that he causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, um, because his will is ultimate. And someone might say, well, you know, God's only sovereign over the big things. He's not really sovereign over the little things. But the problem with that is there, there's really no little things, because every, every little thing adds up to a big thing. It's uh, like, uh, again, referencing Dr. Sproul, who talked about the shoe of the horse. You know, it's one shoe can cause one horse to fall. One horse can cause one battle to be lost. One battle can be the, the war, and the war can be uh, a nation fall. And therefore, one nail in one horseshoe that caused one horseshoe to fall, that caused one horse to fall, that caused one battle to be lost. And so is God sovereign over the battle, or is God sovereign over the nail in the horseshoe? Well, the answer is he's sovereign over everything. And um, when we start limiting his sovereignty in some way to try to protect God from the truth of who he is and try to protect his dignity and character, I think that's the motivation behind this because he earlier said, you know, God would be an ugly God if he did the things you're saying. No, he's a sovereign God and he does as he pleases. But we'll continue. And there'll be no interference on the part of God at all. And you say that they can't move unless the Holy Spirit moves. 
Well, may I say to you that there must come into the heart of man, and this is something that moves in the area of free will now, is a conviction. Some men have a conviction, some don't. I sat next to a young man when I was in seminary. That young man, when we had an outstanding missionary, Dr. Lambie, I think of the Sudan Interior Mission, or it could have been African Mission, that's been a long time ago. He spoke, and he so moved all of us. He moved all of us to tears. That young man next to me had a conviction he ought to go as a missionary. I had no conviction like that at all. Now, don't tell me that God was pushing into the mission field, and he wasn't pushing me into the mission field for the very simple reason. I just happened to know I exercised my free will. I've got a free will, and so have you got a free will. Now, okay, this is where I'm going to have to start drawing to a close because... Uh, I do. I, I was hoping I would get this far, and I have. Um, when when Doctor McGee talks about this young man who had this conviction to go to the mission field, and Doctor McGee said, "I didn't have that conviction, and because I exercised my free will." This is a contradiction in terms, because as Doctor McGee must understand, conviction is not something that is wrought from within the flesh or the mind it's wrought within the spirit by the holy spirit of god so i would say yes it is the holy spirit of god who urged that young man to the mission field in the same way that it was the spirit of god who uh, must have urged dr mcgee to go into broadcasting and and bible teaching and all the things that he did so to to say no it wasn't a con the conviction is from the free will no conviction is of the holy spirit and this is where i think the the confusion really comes in because we begin to apply to ourselves our free will something that belongs to the spirit of god conviction is of the Spirit of God. It's he who comes and convicts the world of sin. It's he who can convicts the world of righteousness. He is the one who, I mean, when I talk about ministry, when I, when I talk about becoming a pastor, I tell my story. You know, I try to always use this language. God called me into ministry. God, God gave me the gifts necessary to be a preacher of his word. Now, it was recognized by the church. The church ordained me because the church has the role of recognizing that gift. But it's, it's God by the Holy Spirit who, who urged me to do that. And therefore, I would say I am who I am by the power of God, not by my free will. My free sinful will did not cause me to abandon my life for Christ. Um, my sinful free will, I, I wanted to be uh, anything but a preacher. I wanted to be a karate teacher. I wanted to be a magician. I had all these, these things that I wanted to do. I never wanted to preach God's word. But God changed my heart. And that conviction is from the Holy Spirit of God. Now again, I give... Dr. McGee so much credit and I hope that my words have not been in any way 
uh, come across as hurtful or argumentative toward him as a person. Love him and appreciate him as a brother. And I still have his commentaries on my shelf, and I, you know, I, I reference him sometimes in my preaching. But when it comes to this issue, I think he was wrong. I think what he's saying is wrong. And I hope that this method of interacting with someone has been useful for you today because this will hopefully help you to listen and understand not how to argue necessarily but but how to stand for the truth and listen to the arguments of other people and interact with what they're saying so i hope this and, and again i i i really uh, i have to give credit where credit is due dr white has done this for years on the dividing line and this is you know my feeble attempt to to follow in his footsteps and sort of do what he he has done and, and has has taught so i hope that tonight or today's lesson rather has been an encouragement to you uh, i am going to end now again if you want to listen to dr mcgee and the rest of it uh, you you're free to do so and i would encourage you to listen to it uh, and if you have any questions please send them to me thank you for listening today to coffee with a calvinist my name is keith foskey and i've been your calvinist may god bless you Thank you for joining in for today's episode of Coffee with a Calvinist. Keep in mind, we have a new lesson available every weekday morning at 6.30 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook. If you enjoyed this lesson, please take a moment to respond by hitting the like button, leaving a comment, and subscribing to the channel. On behalf of Pastor Foskey, thank you for listening. May God bless you.